It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that featured a host eating Christmas tree cake right before we got on the show. A nice little treat there from the uh, the stocking from the parents' banks. That was it was just yeah. a joy to watch you eat that right before we started recording. It, yeah, sometimes you get COVID over Christmas and you have a delayed Christmas, and so you see the parents on the weekend. You get your stocking and you just they give you some Christmas tree cakes in the stocking, and they're just kind of sitting around. And honestly, I, I have a lot of mixed emotions about the Christmas tree cake. It's the last one of the season. I'm going to miss them. Um, I heard there was. I think there was some Christmas tree cake ice cream that they put out and I never got around to trying it. It was heavy on my brain for a bit there. And I just never saw it in the grocery store and I meant to go seek it out and I just never got it. So that's something to sort away for next November or December. Christmas tree cake, ice cream. Wouldn't that just, I wonder if that would just taste like the normal, like birthday cake kind of flavor. Like probably Whatever, not the dude. exact same. Like, I don't care. No, like, no, I'm mark, sure it would be good. That's that that's my go-to. Just give it to me. I yeah, I could. I would do that. Yeah, be fine. I'm in. Absolutely, give me it year round. I'm sure that but, one of the given products in the the is a little Debbie or is a hostess. I think it's little Debbie. Um, little Debbie. I'm sure there's something in their suite of products that's literally the same exact thing as the Christmas tree cake, but it just doesn't it just won't slap it's just not the same the stocking is one of the all-time great cherry on tops of any event ever where you like open your presents and like oh i still got the stocking like what am i getting in the stock you finish with the stocking yeah yeah i thought that you start with the stocking no we're finished with the stocking so two different rooms Stockings are in a different room than where the main tree is at the Smythe household, the Smythe compound, excuse me. Um, and that is, uh, we, we do it in the initial, in the, uh, in the living room is where the uh, initial present unwrapping happens. And then in our family room, it's where the stockings are hung by the chimney with care. Um, and uh, they are done at that point. So that's how I've always done Christmas. I just assumed that's how everyone did it, but I guess that was a bad assumption of mine. We, we, I, I always Should, should I do my scratch offs live on the air? Sure. No, yeah. no, just take them yeah. up and get them scanned right at the counter. Fuck that. I had a buddy who used to die. do that. He would buy them and then just hand them right back and be like, scan them. The guy That's like, so lame. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. If you're going to. Oh, first so all, I got somebody new on my board. Oh, yeah. 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 Our starting five draft this week is is Baltimore sports villains or Baltimore villains or whatever. Baltimore sports villains. But that means. Uh, that guy, I, I take it as just villains. No, uh, I I kept it more in a sports context. I'm sure we all did, but um, yeah, keep that keep that uh, keep that guy in mind. He may be in mind. He may be in mind for that. Um, we have to get into this right now. We talked about the the Orioles wall change last week with not as much information as we now currently have. The Orioles have since come out and done media they still didn't do i still can't believe they haven't come out with anything from their official channels uh maybe they have on their website but on social media of anybody from the organization just outright explaining it instead of just putting out a rendering and then like moving on to whatever the heck they moved on to um but they didn't do that they, they there's articles been out quotes from elias quotes from sid Medell on all of this stuff RDT, you continue to absolutely ride or die for the new wall design. Um, and me and Banks are on the other side of this. So 
I'm going to give you, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds to continue to defend this viewpoint that you have. I feel like this is a very 50, 50 split of people defend the wall, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is like 50, 50. I, I just think like, I'm not, I didn't see it. And I'm like, I love this. This needed to happen years ago. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like it's, it's going to happen. Um, I think when they, cause it's not like they're like, Hey, we don't, we're just going to move the wall back. Why? I don't know. We don't really know. Like the fact that again, you knew that Sig and Elias were going to come with numbers and analytics and stats to back it up. And they did. And you know, now everyone is doing the overlays of like here, John means home, you know, he would have given up four home runs last year at home instead of nine. And like, here's what, you know, Mike Wrights would have looked like they're bringing up like Chris Tillman and all, and all those guys. Um, Again, I think that it's going to help them in the long term and and not just with like, oh, look, that ball would have been a home run from Glaber Torres last year. And now it's not. Now it's a fly out to the warning track. Um, the big thing it sounds like they're do doing you, is do you like the way it looks? No, not not really. I wish instead of the the 90 degree angle at the bullpen, which again, people were like, this is someone's fucking foul ball guys like someone's going to impale themselves it's like, dude, they have it in Pittsburgh. They have it the opposite side in 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 Houston. Like it's not you've never seen anyone impale themselves on a wall in Pittsburgh or Houston. It's fine. Um, I don't. I'm not thrilled with how it looks. Like I get why now they're it's going from the seven feet to the twelve feet and it's raising up. I wish they would have angled it instead of making the the. I wish it would have been like a forty five degree angle instead of a ninety degree angle where the bullpens are. Like kind of ease into it. Um, but again, like Elias is saying, if it helps bring some free agent pitchers. Like, that would be great. That would be huge. And, again, that's what they're going for. Um, being like, hey, you know, look, you would you would have given up 40 home runs last year here. Th- this year it's only X amount. You know, obviously not 40. But I don't know. I think if it can be a selling point and, and get some guys in, I think that's obviously a win for them. And if it if it saves them a couple home runs this year, sure, that's fine. Like, again, a lot of their, their, their hitting prospects are left-handed guys. Um, some of the guys I think they're targeting in the draft are left-handed guys. So that right center power alley, it's still there. Right field is still, is still, you know, very reachable. And, and again, I think the, the righties that they do have Mount Castle, um, Trey guys like that, it's not going to be a problem. They may lose a couple home runs. I don't think it's a big deal. I think people are more upset with the optics and, and the visuals of it being like, this is not the Camden yards. I grew up. I grew up going to, I used to sit in in left, you know, left field front row and, and it, you know, now I can't do that anymore because I'll be 12 feet up instead of seven. And I get that. I mean, it's going to look weird. It's not going to look cut, you know, cookie cutter, like, like the fence did, like you said, when it was uniform. Um, and I get people being mad at that, but again, like when it's backed up by like, here's why we're doing it because we think it'll help improve the club in the future. It's like, shit. All right. Like let's roll with it. Why? I don't, again, if it's going to help them win in the future, I don't know why anyone would be against it except for the optics and the visuals. Thanks. We have slowly gotten more against this as the week has gone. <laughs> yeah. The uh, we were left to the imagination last week when we talked about it as to what the, the walls would look like. We just had the wall heights and the potential like added distance. And then we saw the diagrams diagrams stink. The construction pictures stink. It's just the ballpark was built to look symmetrical and, and the, the shaping of like the upper deck facing was ran parallel to the wall. And part of the nature of the walls were that it would go, you know, like out. And then, you know, there were no, it wasn't rounded, but it was very like straightforward. It would just, 
is just very aesthetically pleasing. And this whole thing just tosses it in the trash. It just, it stinks. And also just the, let's not forget home runs are fucking awesome. I don't care how short or like, or far the wall is more home runs, the better. And I'm going to be so sick of, of watching Trey Mancini hit these gap balls that aren't home runs. And that's going to go for a lot of our right hand hitters. I know that we have, you know, a good hand of good handful of left-handed power hitters in our farm system and such. But um, I just, I don't see where the juice is worth the squeeze enough to just rattle and change your biggest asset. It's like Cammy Yards is it, you know? So as, as you said, we were really just speculating on what it could possibly look like because we didn't have any official rendering or, um, which I thought I can, and continue to say was a total mistake that this would leak or come out before they had the ability to like show a rendering or show construction, because just allowed people to make their own decisions based on nothing based on just speculation. But now we have the rendering and I agree. I think optically, I just don't think it looks as good as it did before. And no matter what the performance on the field benefits are, that is just something that's always going to be stuck in my crawl. I'm always going to be upset that the ballpark doesn't look as good as it did before. Is RDT probably right that in three to four years, people will just not talk about it anymore? 100%. Because like, how much can you, how much can you talk about a wall? Um, unless yeah. you're, you know, unless you're, unless you're 45, but 47, 42, 47, <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. Unless you're, unless you're, unless you're GJT, but um, I, I it's just to me, and, and I read Dan Connolly's article. I think did a very in the athletic did a very good job. And this is why I can't. I keep going back to this. I just wish they would take what's in Dan Connolly's article, all the stuff that the the Orioles front office said about the reasoning and about how Camden Yards is talked about as, but in baseball circles, as the course field of the East by some people. But just be transparent about that. Come out and just say that. Just come out and say that. Like put out a quote. I don't know what. Like I just want to see the sixty seconds of Michael Elias just explaining the fact that they can't get pitchers to come pitch here, and that they move the wall back, we have a better chance to win. They're saying that in articles. Just I just I don't know. That is just very very. I can't get over that. But Connolly's article is essentially like yes, there are players out there who talk and say we don't want to come pitch in Baltimore because this this and this, which is fine. I think those. The end of this argument is essentially like both these things can coexist. This can be a very much a good decision long-term for the team's on-field performance. And ultimately that is the reason that everybody comes to root for a team. You want them to feel success, but I just wish they had figured out a way and maybe you're right. RDT, maybe it would have been a 45 degree sort of build into the wall, you know, around, and maybe there's just no way to do that. I just, I, I can't stand the way it juts. I just doesn't look right with the rest of the ballpark. And I think I'm going to go into Camden Yards for the first time with this done, and I'm going to stare at it for the first five innings. Now, the Orioles 100% are betting on that I'm not going to do that anymore after that. And I will continue just – like the ballpark will never look as good as it used to, which kind of stinks considering how great the ballpark is. Um, and, I, and I know for a fact, based on Elias and Nadell and all these guys, they 100% did the research, and I'm not doubting the – standards of information by which they made the decision i just saw the rendering last week and banks you tweeted just like or or uh, texted us like it stinks and i was like yeah it stinks it just stinks <laughs> um but you know hopefully hopefully as we said last week 
I, I it, it contributes to team performance. I was just, I was just like, wow, this is just not the same stadium. It's yeah, not it's not it's the same stadium, but it's just it just was a little more jarring than I honestly thought it was going to be. I think last week I was sort of like, oh, this isn't really going to be a huge difference. I was more concerned about the height of the wall. Now that's the yeah. least jarring part of it to me. Yeah. Um, it's that it's just the way it just, and I guess I should have thought about it that way because how else are you, you couldn't cut into the bullpen. You have to keep the bullpen. So you can't move, you can't continue to move it back. You can't move the bullpen over. It's it has just, to be massive overhaul in order to accommodate. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what people were talking mm-hmm. about. Like, do you get rid of the, the front bullpen, the Orioles bullpen, and make the top one the Orioles bullpen and move the the other one into like where they grow, you know, where the ivy is and where they shoot oh, up the fireworks. It's such like, a no, disaster. You no, you can't do that. Yeah, because so like, the bullpen, you... one of the best parts, I love the way the bullpens look. Oh, I can't it's great. Guys. I, I mean, think it's, it's one so... of the best parts of the the stadium. Yeah, that that like look out there. But yeah, it's like if someone was like, you know, do you just get rid of all of them and then you you put the bullpens underneath like at Wrigley? It's like no, because again, that the bullpen is part of the like that's part of the charm too. Um, you're not you're not just gonna cut the bullpen, you know. But no, I again, I'm I'm with you. That part it looks gross. It looks weird. I'm willing to be like, you know what? Fuck it. It's weird. Whatever. Uh, again, if it helps pitchers come here, and if it if it lowers ERAs and stuff like that, I I would 100% be okay with that. I'm and I'll still fasc- be like, it doesn't look great. But. I'm not fascinated to see it. <laughs> like I I can't wait to go to a game and just see it now. I, I, I want no. It. I want the other way. I think the Orioles should bring us out to see it. I think if they had any balls, they would bring us out and be like, "Hey guys, come take a look at it." I would, yeah, I want to come I'd see the it. Challenge the you know balls in your court, Orioles. So. Yeah, yeah. Or um, you can just send Michael Ice on the show. We can ask him about it. I we, that said, we sent an inquiry. Yeah. Um. Now, what we can all agree that it is. Yeah, they've crunched numbers, and it is likely beneficial for the team on the field because yeah, there is some value to the idea that. Um, especially given what I think is the right blueprint in major league baseball is to draft hitters, sign pitchers, you know, it's, it's much tougher to try to like develop an entire rotation of pitchers. Anyways. Um, what is the, or at least for you, Taylor, cause you're on my side on this, like what is the improved win threshold to justify what they're doing? Like if, if the decision were to be up to you, what would that improved win number need to be for you to be like, I, I sign off on this. Like I'm, I'm on board. That's a great question because it's good. It's wall this, wins. This answer is going to sound a little ridiculous. Yeah. This answer is going to sound a little ridiculous either way, because, <laughs> because like ultimately when you, as I said, when you root for a team, you just want them to win. And like, is the sacrificing of whatever it is, 25 feet of wall and some optics, you know, like that should, it should be, if it's worth one win, like that should theoretically be enough, but I freaking love this stadium and I love the way it looks like we better win like 10 more games. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. If they, if they win one more game because of this wall yeah, and that's the thing they can justify by saying, if we need 91 wins and if that wall gives us 91 and that gets us a wild card spot, that's it. Like it's justified. But uh, let me tell you what, when you're winning 70 games a year, when you're winning 65 games a year and the, you're the Baltimore and you stink, this and your stadium is the thing that you know the this is why it's if the if the Orioles were good and they were just like hey we're just going to win more by doing this and I was like all right phew, let's just keep rocking and rolling when you win sixty five games or sixty eight games and you stink year after year and you're people just sell on where they're at too they're winning fifty two yeah, games yeah, last year yeah. whatever <laughs> they stink 
when you go every city and you go to the stadium just to see the stadium, like that's what the Orioles sell. They sell the stadium. And I know that the wall is maybe not as much of a part of the stadium experience as I thought. I just love the way it looked. I just, and not that I, I guess this will kill my argument. I'm just talking on both sides of my mouth. Not that I won't go because they changed the wall because I still support the team, but yeah, that, that, they better, they better construct. Let me tell you what, if they, if they are, if they're bringing in a lot of um, right-handed hitters and, and right and, and, and not catering it to the freaking wall change, they stink. They better cater the entire damn roster to the wall. So, so how are we Which, categorizing it? How are we, are we, is it going to be WWAR? Will war wall wins above replacement? War. We have, we have to make up a new stat for it. Like you're ball. gonna track this? Like, what, how are we gonna quantify any of this? I will not track this, but I want to be on the record. I already have to tweet; it's ready to go that we came up with a new stat. For yeah, that's new, fine. Whatever you, you you know, you're you're you, you make wall the wins above original. Wall wins. I like its connection. I like its connection to war. Whatever you want, I don't care. I, yeah. I I'm, it's there. I, I still can't get it. I keep. I keep repeating myself because I just keep wanting to go back to the fact that I just want the Orioles to just do more explaining on their official channels about the station or not. I just continue to get upset about that. And again, the we were told, streams are very weird. We were told that that Elias is is you know I guess going to have more because again, like I he did in the in the Connelly, I took away the, the information same. in the Dan Connolly com is all you need. Like it, uh, Sig is quoted in it. Mm-hmm. Elias couldn't so they went out and talked about it I just was like I was just waiting for like the front facing like hey we're changing the greatest thing that's ever been done and ever been built in Baltimore in 30 years which is right Oriole Park is the most significant thing that's been built in Baltimore for the entire lifespan of my life happy birthday to me like explain why you're changing it whatever it's yeah I'm probably getting they, too mad about that but if I'm they just, put out a video to me they, they, again, it's nothing new with the Orioles. They didn't really handle it great. Cause again, they're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're going to do this. And then the next day was like, Oh, and we're going to move it back a little bit. And then the next week was like, Oh, by the way, here's a picture of it. Especially like, they have nothing to talk about. They can't talk about their own players. They yeah. can't talk to their own players. Mm-hmm. So they have nothing else to do. They're putting out a post about, and I said this, I think they're, or, or maybe I didn't say on the pod. Maybe I said it off air. They're putting out a post. God bless them talking about Ben Bender's MLS first. And, and I love that, but like, where's, where, where's the content about this? This is, this is, this is, this is the thing. This is the only thing that's happening with the team other than the international science, which we'll get to in two seconds. And they did a great job talking about that. The player development th- and, and the rankings and, and, and stuff like of the guys that are like tremendous. And people were excited. They made people excited instead with this one, Everyone's just kind of pensive about it. And maybe they just knew they couldn't win the argument, but you you have some built up credibility. It if, if all of the your fan base's faith in you is on potential and on data, and that's all they've sold. We're now database. We have these guys from the Astros. We came in, we brought them in, they've we've given them the keys to the car, and everything's built on analytics. Plus all the potential things we're building are doing these things. We have this left-handed hitters. We have this left-handed pitchers, blah, 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 blah. Like just come out and explain that. Like this is all part of the plan, guys. This is all part of the plan. We've been planning this forever. This goes into how we sign players. This goes into how we draft players. Everyone would be like, sure. 
Well, I mean, yeah. wh- what other thing can we do? Instead, they just put out like, and they have, like I said, I, I don't want to totally kill them because they have, it's not, not like these guys weren't made available to the media. They did talk about it. I just like, you have to go seek that out theoretically. Like you have your biggest, your biggest thing towards your fans is your own channels. Like at, at this point in the sports game, like that's how you, that's how you inform people. Just bizarre. I just, I just was, I just kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for the like, Here's the breakdown from Michael Elias of why we're changing the stadium. Just never got it. Maybe it's coming, but that's weird. That's what I was going to say. Hopefully it's coming because, again, I would love a video of Elias standing out there in left field being like, hey, guys, you know, maybe, Michael Elias uh, here, and they're going to show, you know, the construction and, and and a computer graphic of it being moved back and being, you know, and, again, just explaining it. Again, yeah, even if it's not Elias, it down stick, to people. stick one of your massive people out there who has some – maybe Elias doesn't have the personality to do it. Stick your one of your massive people out there that people like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Paul Mancano could Yeah, do stick it. Hollander out there. I don't care who it is, but it's yeah. just like – and maybe they are going to do it. Maybe it will be finished, and right before the season they're going to be like – here are the changes to Camden Yards. Here's the wall, blah, blah, blah. And I will stand up and salute. I just couldn't believe that they allowed the narrative to just kind of like run wild last week. I just thought that was very bizarre. Uh, I'm with you too. Maybe they kind of were like, we're just going to kind of put this out. We know we're going to get shit on. We know it's going to be negative feedback yeah. because again, you're changing. Uh, some people call it a cathedral. I mean, it's you know, it's one of the most important ballparks in baseball. So they knew like there was no, the approval rating on this was not going to be high. It was not going to be high. And I think they knew that. Um, Again, I'm with you. I, I wish it would have been rolled out a little better. Instead, we're getting like pictures from people who are like, hey, I'm going to go up to the 35th floor of this <laughs> yeah, building yeah. and I'm going to take a picture and tweet it out. That's how we were first seeing it. And then it's like, oh, all right, now Rock is in the building and he's taking pictures from like club level. So I don't know. Again, maybe maybe our your tunes will change if if we get a seat from Camden Yards. Um Something like that. I don't know. Again, yeah, and maybe it'll end up being that being right up there above the wall be a great vantage point. It some of it is still to be still to be determined, but yeah, that's 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 wall talk on the X Fifty Two podcast. Yeah, that's One talk. thing you have to give credit to the Orioles for this week, and is they went in on the international signings. And one of the weird part about the international signings aspect is like these kids are like 15, 16, and seventeen, so you can't go in and be like, oh man, can't wait to see blah, blah, blah from Cuba. Cause you, you know, you're not going to see them for a while, but um, a clear commitment from the organization financially and resources wise into what has become one of the biggest pieces of organizational depth and development you can have, you know, besides the draft going down and signing guys from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from Puerto Rico, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's huge. And, and, they haven't done that, haven't committed to it, and now they have. And that can only help you. Either it helps you because you develop them and they play on your team, or you develop them and they be, they're pieces that become other players. Um, nice to see them put that financial commitment in. The RET, I know you were sort of following that. I don't know if you have anything to follow up there, but you yeah, feel like you got to give them props for that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mean, it felt like the international signing day was, or inter- you know, it was like a thing. This It was a thing that the Orioles were heavily involved in. They've been involved for a while. Like, there were a couple guys that they signed, and they were like, oh, yeah, this has been a done deal, basically just not on paper for a couple months. And, like, these are some of the good big prospects. Um, I forget who tweeted it today, um, They, they but they made a good point because the Baseball America rankings came out today. The Orioles have, five, you know, five top 100 prospects. And someone said it's pretty impressive that they did this with basically no international players in their top 30. Like, yeah, that's going to change coming up. And I was like, you know what? That's that's a really good point. I never thought of that. Like, 
again, some of these guys are signing, um, are, are, you know, they were like, they could start a buoy. They could start, you know, they'll start in a high a and they'll make their way up. Um, which again, it's only going to help the farm system. Um, I, a couple quotes, Kobe Perez, who's like the head of international scout, he's the head of scouting. Um, said that they spent their full bonus pool money, which is, I think it's 6.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was also something where it's like any, what was it? Any deals under $10,000, like aren't, don't come from that pool money or something like that. So it's like, you can still sign people even if you're out of pool money. And so the, or I think the Orioles had done a couple of those, or at least we're trying to. Um, and then Nathan Ruiz had a good quote from Kobe Perez too, which again, I don't know how much this is, you know, hyperbole or whatever, but this quote got me fired up. And he said, he said, Kobe Perez compared the impact of Michael Elias personally coming to see, to see these kids to Nick Saban's influence and in coming to see a high school kid he's recruiting. Woo! If you're an Orioles fan and you see that quote and you don't get goosebumps, because again, you're like, that's, that's it. I mean, that that's what you want to hear. Is it probably, is it true? No chance. There's not a chance. Elias, he's not walking on water down there in Cuba. It would be great. But like, again, I think as an Orioles fan, you're like, oh, this is new. We never, I think I saw that they had the fourth most signings um, internationally. I think I saw that it was up to 27. And, um, you know, again, I mean, it was an exciting day because they just kept coming in. This guy, Cesar Preto, I don't know. I butchered his last name. His hair is like five inches tall. And again, he was the one, they said he's a high riser. He's a quick riser and he could, he could be moving quick. Um, there's a lot of guys, you know, that, that, that seem excited because the Orioles, what was it? Their scouting department's Twitter listed again. They got nothing to do. They, they had a hell of a thread kind of going over, Hey, here's some of the pros for each of the, the guys signed. And, and again, I'm, I'm reading them and I'm like, there's, there's a lot to be excited about here. So I, I think it was a great day. Um, again, this was a day that Dan Duquette, whether it's Dan or, or Angela whoever you want to point the finger at. I mean, it always just comes back to when someone asked Dan Duquette, if the Orioles were going to try and post for Otani and he said, you know, um, we do not participate. And it's like the, the game has changed and it can only help them. They, it, it can only help them. It's only going to help the farm system. And again, whether these guys turn into something and put on an Orioles uniform eventually, or if you trade them with a couple other prospects for some big pitchers who hopefully don't give up home runs with that wall move back. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about with, with the, the international signings. Yeah. I, I, I and this is why it goes back to the, like Michael, I go back to the, Michael Elias has the way he's restructured the organization in terms of personnel, you know, obviously the wins on the field haven't been there, but you can't really knock any of it. The drafting has been great. The way they've committed to international signees has been great. Kobe Perez. Every time I hear him interviewed, he seems sh- like a sharp dude. I'm terrified like, that, that he'll be like next year for some GM, you know, They'll be like, oh, Kobe Perez is going to be. Yeah, I, I remember. Th- I think the Mets tried to. He, I watched him. the full, the full. I think presser last year that he did after the internet, and maybe he and Elias did one together. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. So good for them. I mean, they they fully committed to it. So. And I read another quote, and they were saying like, two, just even like as recently as like three or four years ago, like you would be lucky to see one Oriole scout at any of these games, workouts, you know training complexes down there and they were like now it's they're they're littered with orioles scouts and again it's like that's that's what you want to hear i mean you know it's only going to help them moving forward and and it only makes sense because you think about and i'm you know michael eyes is smart enough to know this 
you, you look at the Orioles and you're never going to be a top, top flight free agency destination from a city perspective or financial perspective. So you've got to use every single inch of the other ways to gather assets as you can. And they clearly have committed to that. And it's just amazing. And it, it, Connolly had an article also about the international scouting saying that Angelos didn't like getting involved in the unsavoriness of the market and blah, blah, And sure, it, fine, whatever. But like, if you want to get every inch out of your organization, you have to do that stuff. You have to go down and maybe you're paying six figures to a 17-year-old kid that'll never pan out. But all you need is like five or six of them to pan out. And either you're trading them or they're playing for your team. And they're doing a good job of that. Uh, let's move on. Ravens unit grade. So I, I just, I'm, we might as well be, an, I might as well be an ad for the athletic right now, but um, just to drive some conversation here, Jeff Zarebic put up his unit grades for the Ravens um, over the course of the season. I just want to get you guys, we, we can kind of go back and forth on these and get your guys take on whether he's right with his grades or wrong. I thought Jeff did a good job and, and obviously always does a good job. Um and 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 kind of see where we kind of fit with these grades. So we'll start at quarterback. C plus from Mr. Zuribek on the quarterback position. Thoughts, Banks? Uh, it's maybe a smidge low, but it's also tough to judge just because we had two different quarterbacks the last five six games of the season. Clearly, Lamar Jackson did not play his best football. Um, you know, he had his high moments, the, the Chiefs and the Colts game in particular jump out, but then he had the stretch there in November where <clears throat> it's really hard to paint a picture that he was anything that, but but bad. I mean, he wasn't – four interceptions against Cleveland, um, some other games where some opportunities were there and, and, and they weren't capitalized on. Um, it's tough. It's, it's just – it's, you know – we've seen so much out of him and what he's capable of. And, and he, he just hasn't lived up to that same level. Um, so I think that that, that C plus grade is maybe about that, maybe a B minus if you're, you're kind of grading on a scale um, or a curve for, for, for his ability level. I would say that the thing that would bump it from a C plus to a B minus is Huntley being as serviceable as he was not even really Lamar. Yeah. Like I think if you're grading Lamar straight up, I think that C plus C kind of makes sense. As you said, incredible highs, but lows. So really you would say an average season, I think B minus would make a little sense. If you just kind of give Tyler Huntley credit for being a second year undrafted guy who, you know, put the Ravens in position to win really every single game and didn't look the part of being bad, except not the part of being bad, but the part of being undrafted and, and, and inexperienced until the last game of the year and probably the first half against the Bears. I think those two games, you're like, okay, this is maybe the worst end of Tyler Huntley. But there, as we said, are also some games where he was very, very good. Um, as we said, the, the thing with the quarterbacks now is, is, is the Lamar Jackson extension, which we still wait when that's going to happen. So that will be interesting to see when the Ravens do that and how that structures the rest of their offseason. But I would say a C plus is probably fair, and most of that's, as you said, probably just about Lamar. Yeah, RDT. I'm I'm kind of with you guys. Like the C plus, low B minus. Like I'm thinking if it's like a, you know, in thinking back to high school, it's like a seventy nine point one. You're like, ah, oh, it's still C. If you want to bump it up, you can bump it up to a B. So, you know, again, because again, I I think if you're grading Lamar, you're probably more towards that C you know, C plus, if you're grading Huntley, I, you know, I think you'd be fine with a B minus something like that. Cause like, like you said, Taylor, I mean, had him in every, in, in every game pretty much um, didn't look great 
at times. But again, I think he showed you that he can be he can be a backup in this league, especially for the team for a long, long time. Um, so you know, and again, I kind of forced into action, you know, late in the season in a in a brutal stretch of game. So the teams that Huntley was playing are, you know, you know, you're you're not playing the Jets, you're not playing, you know, some of those bad teams. But yeah, I, I think I think, you know, the C plus B minus low B if you want to give it to him, uh fits. You also have to talk about Sam Cook not completing his pass. Mm. Does that, does that, you know, change mm. things? I think it has to. Um, running backs a C. I like a B. I thought they were better. Again, it's, it's difficult. What curve are you grading on? You're of course, you're disappointed by the overall production when you're going into the training camp with some big names there, like maybe the best duo running backs in the league. And then, you look at the production against that and it's like, okay, that see makes a lot of sense, but um, how much can you really look at Devonta Freeman and, and Latavius Murray, especially Murray going off on in week 18 there? Like which can you look at them and really be upset with it? You know, the run game wasn't outstanding the way that it's been at times, but I thought that they, you know, from a running back standpoint took what was there and, and broke off some runs here and there. They didn't break off a lot of big ones, but it, overall it was just kind of like satisfactory, all things considered. Yeah. I would say like, a, I would say, I would say this fits more into the C plus B minus range um, as well. I, I, I just don't know. As you said, the curb you're expecting, I think that the thing that maybe brings us down a little bit is the unfair expectation that was put on a Tyson Williams who you know, had really no NFL experience and people were like, Oh, we'll just next man up to Tyson Williams. He was good in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I don't think you were the only, I mean, it also just felt like you could plug and play any running back into this and the Ravens still were the third best rushing team in football. So it's not as if they, you know, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray just broke down the running game. I I, I said it during a couple incident analysis this year. I thought Devontae Freeman for a guy that I think some people, there's a guy uh, for that. Some people said maybe couldn't fit into the system. Wasn't perfect. The system. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well in a lot of these games. Um, and ultimately part of the reason the running game didn't work is because of the offensive line, which um, from, as I scroll down here, C minus for the offensive line, which you could theoretically put that lower if you wanted to probably the McCary and your Zietlers and Bozeman's who are really solid all year probably keeps that high, but just a tough year for that group. You remember Le'Veon Bell? Remember no, that guy? no, I forgot about that. To be totally honest with you, yeah, <laughs> Le'Veon. Anyways, remember Justice Hills on the team? He's in this article, and I just uh, forgot he's on the team. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. the first the first sentence from the from the paragraph when the Ravens lost J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. I went, wait, what? One of those is Justice not like the yeah, like in that discussion. Sure, I guess technically they did, but sure. not to absolutely blast Justice Hill, but. C a minus for the offensive line feels, feels, feels right. I think you could say D plus if you really wanted to, but yeah, it's so tough because I thought the interior line play was pretty good. Um, You had kind of the back and forth with Ben powers and, and and Ben Cleveland. Zietler was awesome. I thought, I thought Bozeman was very solid as well, but the tackle play was so poor, especially given like, man, it's just tough to think about being, you know, a year and change ago, having, such a perfect duo there at the tackle position where you think you're set up for years to come. And now you're on the other side of that. and We're left with potentially nothing. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Ronnie Stanley, but 
you know, the Villanueva signing was a huge bust. Um, you know, Patrick McCary did the best he could. And I thought that it was honorable at times and other times, you know, that right tackle position was a gigantic problem. So, um, yeah, I, I C minus probably about right. I agree with you. Maybe D plus. I'd probably trend that direction before I move the the grade up. I, I mean, I'm with you on the um, the Zeitler and and Bozeman. You know, and like I know we talked about him too a decent amount. Macari was pretty good, um, but then the other guys you mentioned were kind of it was just kind of like a rotating door with like Ben Cleveland, Tyree Phillips, Villanueva again looked like a turnstile every other game. It seemed like every game. Um, I think both, I think Bozeman and Zyla really boosted up the grade because I, I think those two were really, really good. I saw some of the, I think Bozeman was top 10 in like passing, uh, pass blocking grade and, um, run game grade, which again, not very surprising. Um, he'll probably, I mean, he's probably looking at a fat deal somewhere, you know, if, if it's not in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, again, and you know, that's, I know we've talked about it and it's going to be talked about a lot. That's going to be the, the the place that you got to attack and you got it, you got to sure up in the off season. So, um, C what, what did you say? C minus. Yeah. I'll, that, that's what Zariba. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of stick right on that. Um, just cause again, if I'll round up because of how good Zeitler and, um, Bozeman were tight ends and fullbacks, a minus, I think it's an a Mark Andrews is the best tight end in football. A I don't care. What everybody else. I don't care what everybody else did. That's a, you, you have the best player in football to position. That's an a, yeah. I mean, I we've talked about 400 times. I don't think there's any need to go into how freaking good Mark Andrews was this year. Uh, when the Ravens had Nick Boyle, he was good. Tomlinson was fine when he played, and Pat Ricard was Pat Ricard. I, I just think it's a straight A. I don't really know why it's an A-, minus, but he has an A-. minus. Yeah, I agree. I think there might be points lost just for Nick Boyle barely playing and Ricard you know, he was – you know what he brings to the table. Um, he's obviously huge and he blocks and, and he does all those things and, you know, made a couple impact plays catching the football. But, I mean, I, I don't know where you really knock that position group. Wide receivers, everyone's favorite position, B-. minus. I'm going to go – The soft 1K from, from Hollywood Brown. That's he that's a, a weak, excuse me. He's weak, not soft. You could justify this grade being a C or a B plus. Like we saw some things out of Rashad Bateman that suggests like, Hey, this guy's a guy where he's going to be here for a while and he's going to be an impact player. Um, of course him disappearing at times, not because of, you know, him just not getting open or, or whatever. He just wasn't getting snaps when it felt like he'd earned them. Um, Sammy Watkins was, came out of the gate decent and then kind of disappeared. Hollywood was hot where it seemed like he had a touchdown every week. And then he vanished when mostly when Lamar disappeared, I mean, him, geez, him in Detroit, people forgot about that one, but what a shit show that was. And then him in, in week 18 there. I mean, I guess the way the games played out wouldn't have mattered, but you're talking about a team fighting for his playoff lives and he's, he's dropping touchdowns. It's, it's pretty unacceptable. So I probably lean more towards it being a C plus. I, I was going to go C plus because again, uh, the inconsistency, 
And it may it, like a guy, a guy like Bateman, it's really not his fault because again, he was injured to start the year and they kind of, what did they, the chargers game, I think was his first game back. And they kind of slowly brought him in. And, and like you said, it's like, what was it? The drive, the, the, the Bengals game, I think with Josh Johnson, he had like four catches on that opening drive in the touchdown. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is going to be the breakout yeah. game. And then you just, he, I don't think he had another catch that game. And again, it's not his fault. Um, Again, it just feels like every receiver had the, you know, again, Sammy Watkins, I think he had a, didn't he have a decent game against the chiefs? Obviously he had the big catch in the Detroit game. Um, but then, and then again, he, he just went silent. I know he was injured, which is kind of his. He playing the bears game too down the stretch. Yeah. And you know, he'd yeah. show up every now and then, but I mean, he was, I don't know what they expected out of him. It wasn't, I mean, he's not Des Bryant of last year, but I don't think he was anything special. Um, and then again, Marquise, he, he had some games where he's Hollywood. He had some games where he's Marquise. It's it's tough, and and he couldn't stay. Consistency is just a word with those. And 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 maybe next year is the year that Bateman. I mean, I, I, Bateman's going to be that guy next year that everyone drafts in fantasy, like decently wow, high, I think. Awesome. And they're going to be like, this guy is going to explode this year. And again, we we saw why. But um, I mean, I I think again that that's got to be. I think you've got to add another piece to that. Um, I think C plus is probably about right for the tight end or um, receivers. It's so funny. If you had told me that Hollywood Brown would catch 90 plus balls and have a hundred or excuse me, a thousand plus yards for the year, I would have not said the wide receiver grade would have been a B minus or C plus. You would have thought, Oh wow. They've the passing game was dialed in. Cause you know, Andrews is getting his numbers. You would have Bateman. I think a special shout out here has to be given to Mr. DuVernay who both had moments in the in the um, on the offensive side of the ball, and that was obviously as an All Pro um, punt returner. So tremendous season from him, and I think with Hollywood Bateman and Duvernay, and then I, you know, the James Prochet thing is was sort of an up and down situation. I really love Devin Duvernay. I think he's a guy that's going to play in the NFL for a really long time. So I, I would stick. I think his B minus grades pretty right. I would even maybe say B. I know people freak out about Hollywood, but still a step forward to have ninety one and a thousand. I mean, especially for a guy that you know, it seems maybe like he's more of just like a big play threat. You know, he's got ninety one catches, so um, you know he had some really glaring bad moments. Maybe that's what brings it down a bit. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Over on defense, we'll we'll pop through these pretty quickly. Defensive line B minus. So many of this has to do with injury too. It's so amazing. Every time I look at these, it's like, well, if you didn't have this guy hurt for this long or this guy hurt for this long, but they found their strides stuffing the run so well in the back half of the season. Um, and really for the majority of the season, I mean, I thought they were pretty awesome on that front. Um, I know just given what position groups you're going to hit here along the way that, um, somewhere somebody needs to be dinged for the pass rush uh, or lack thereof, or at least without the blitzing. And uh, I guess the defensive line needs to eat some of that blame. So B, B minus probably is about right. I would maybe give it a B or even a B plus. Cause like when it really comes down to it, it's all about stuff in the run, at least for Baltimore. Um, and we did that. So I, you know, I, I tend to think to bump that up a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with sticking with a B minus. Um, like you said, I I, th I think the way that they were able to just absolutely take the run game out of it in that when did that start? Right around like week ten. Like they really, really ramped it up one one of those weeks, and they just never 
I mean, they were stout the the rest of the way. And yeah, they By the way, ha- do, doing it during a time where they had they couldn't commit a lot to the run because the the it was such they were in such disarray in the secondary. It's not like you could like bring safeties down in the box and be like, all right, let's stop the run, and then we've got our guys on the outside to figure it out. Like they yeah. had they couldn't commit. Like so many of those run stuffs were by the defensive linemen. It's not like they were taking up blocks. Then safeties were coming. Like they were committing a lot to the run. Like Clay's Campbell was just like standing guys up, or Brandon Williams was standing guys up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great point because, again, they had guys who were on the couch wearing number 17 playing cornerback against the Packers. Um, and, again, it's like it's not going to look sexy because they don't have the big sack numbers, and, and they haven't for a while, you know, from the defensive uh, line. But, again, I mean, when it, when it came to the run game, they, they did their damn job. They stopped them, and, and they, they were obviously the best, you know, rush defense in the, uh, in the NFL. So I, th- I think B-minus B- is fine right there. I'll put the linebackers into one category so we can just discuss them as a whole. I know they're doing different things. Outside linebacker C, inside linebacker C minus. <clears throat> Both um, very up and down units again, especially the inside yeah, guys. Man. Just such a like whole roster. You're just looking at it's. Uh, I don't think that they were that bad. Just like you said. They had to take on a lot more responsibility given some of the other deficiencies on the defense as a whole. Um, we saw some good things out of Padafe <clears throat> Owe once, you know, early in the season. Um, he was hurt down the stretch. People, like, really didn't talk about that at all. Um, and Justin Houston was was worth the signing. Um, Tyus Bowser was awesome. Yeah, Tyus Bowser I mean, was tremendous. He was really good. Um, but again, like overall, the pass rush wasn't quite effective um, in the way that we would have hoped. Um, Patrick Queen had another year where there were flashes of brilliance for sure. And then there were moments where you're just like, what is this guy even, what is this guy even doing out there? Um, they did move him, um, shift him around the defense to make him a bit more effective, but I, I mean, I also look at a guy like Malik Harrison who just completely fell off the map, was not even getting snaps by the end of the season. You know, he was drafted in the third round, I think, and I, he was supposed to be an impact guy, um, you know, coming out of Ohio State, and that didn't really prove to be the case. And so you're left with, you know, Josh Bynes and and company to try to hold things together. And then in another example of where, hey, maybe if we have LJ Ford, it's a little bit different, but um, I, I still think overall, um, C's a little bit harsh. I think. Yeah, I thought Bynes was good for the majority of the year and helped out Queen, kind of moved him over, was able to exploit Queen's um, situation a little bit. Um, you can make – I mean, if, if, if Andrews doesn't have the season he has, you make a case Bowser's maybe the team MVP. Um, based on just consistency alone, because of how mm-hmm. much the Ravens are up and down, so I think I think both grades make a make a lot of sense. I think I think yeah, I think the 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 Harrison thing. I I don't know what his what his future is at this point. Was, was he the one that got shot too? That was yeah, really I mean, what a weird year for oh, him. Oh yeah, very I weird year. For him. I, I, forgot I myself have I myself have joked that. Oh, people forget that we had a linebacker shoot himself during the bye week. And I just forgot completely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Speaking of a lot of stuff happening, cornerbacks, D plus. 
What can you say? I, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, they all got hurt. <laughs> Everybody got hurt. So are we grading the performance or we grading individual performances? Like I don't have a syllabus here. How did Mr. it Zerivix go class. versus like F it, like this could it, almost be an incomplete, like a, second, or like a, you just don't it's, get a it's, on it's it. an XF. It's just a failure yeah. and the just injuries a, of the X just, uh, far and away. The most passing yards allowed in the league. It wasn't even close. I mean, he gave up 4,700 passing yards. Next closest is 4,500. It's – we all know the reasons why. I'm not, like, bashing them for, for the performance per se just because they're up against it the entire year. I mean, what can you really say? You can't they gave up the most passing yards in Ravens history. The other oh. thing about – the other thing about it is even when he was pl- – like, it, was, it wasn't tip-top A-plus Marlowe when he was playing. And some of that is probably attributed to the fact that he didn't have other guys around them, but right. they didn't also, their guys that when they were playing were probably not as good as we expected them to be Anthony Averett. And I think uh makes a good point in here. Anthony Averett gets crapped on all the time. I didn't really think he's that bad. I don't know. But I'm, I'm there was some good play I, in there for sure. Yeah. I think, I think he got a raw end of the deal especially by the fans i i think he was just like a he was almost like a pinata it was like everyone was taking their frustration out and be like oh fucking favorite it's like i don't i think he was that bad there that were was- absolutely stretches of play where he was picked up picked upon yeah just absolutely yeah. like team pointed out too on the, broadcast. on the sideline yeah team talks on the sideline between drives like we're gonna go at um 23 or whatever yeah, yeah 23. 23 and we're just we're just gonna go at him and that's exactly what they do and they'd have success doing it and it'd be a tough look but um you know it's a tough situation i i think overall from the whole group if there's someone that you have to like look at and i know taylor you said it may be just because there was no one else there it's it's marlin because again he was coming into the season i think you could have put him in conversation with jalen ramsey and someone like this guy is one of the top two or three cornerbacks in football and it was just like, I mean, there was he had nothing there the whole year. And obviously I was ready, ready to start a defensive player of the year campaign, like in training yeah, camp. And, like, hey, this with, is this the year where he breaks through and you know. Again, I mean, I mean, what he and again, it doesn't stats don't tell everything. Like no picks, he didn't have any forced fumbles, which was I mean, that was his bread and butter, was the forced fumble, the punch. Um, it was just a weird year for him. And again, coming off when did he sign that big deal? Last year, the middle of last year? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's I mean that was that was a tough one and again I mean he had he the Bengals game is when obviously the one that I think sticks out to most people is when 100%. he does, he got used and abused. Um it, and again it's just it's tough to grade these guys because you know we're going to put a grade on Chris Westry like who okay sure whatever. Um I, it's tough. I think yeah, I think a special shout out needs to be given to Tavon Young for somehow being the guy who was not injured the entire season. He's good looking for around Tavon. like, come on, good guy, like Tavon. nobody else could stay. Good for Tavon Young, man. Like, good for him. Well, we had, it was almost a weekly segment in the preseason. Like, hey, Tavon Young went another week and he's still playing, and that was in the preseason. And so he made it through not a sixteen but a seventeen game schedule uh, on his on his two feet. <clears throat> Safety C plus. I, I really liked what we saw from Brandon Stevens by the end of the year. I think he's got the potential to be very good, you know, in a couple of years. Chuck Clark was Chuck Clark for the most part. And uh, Deshaun Elliott getting hurt. I mean, it's just another injury. Uh, these guys could hit the jugs machine a little bit. 
Yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chuck Clark uh, almost made the play of the year there with that pick six. I mean, it was, it kind of was the play of the year to some degree. Um, but that was a play that if we had somehow pulled off a miracle making the playoffs, um, it probably would have involved winning that Rams game. And that would have been the play that would have stuck out from that game for sure. Um, he, uh, there were a lot of miscommunications early in the season. And a lot of that was while Chuck Clark had the sticker on his helmet. Um, the, the, there's just big plays that just seem inexcusable at the time. Even, even like the Jonathan Taylor play um, early in that game against the Colts. Um, just some really frustrating plays. And a lot of times that falls on the communication um, that is, is more or less controlled by the safeties. Um, loss that was not maybe stated as much was Deshaun Elliott. I thought he, again, made strides and played well. Um, and then he just got hurt. It just – just like everybody else, he got hurt. You can you can end a lot of sentence with that. And he I just know. got hurt. Specialist A, no doubt. A, it's an A. I mean, the units. I mean, as he Are said, you, you could nitpick kick returns or Sam Cook a little bit, but fuck, you got yeah, the league's best league's best punt returner and the league's best kicker. Given a. that you dinged ding Cook on the quarterback section, um, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Sam. Sam had one shaky punt ish in week 18. That's all he, I can really Sam remember. Cook was Sam Cook, solid and steady. As 66 yard field goal is like, come on, give him the yeah. A plus. Yeah. When, when, when is the Sam Cook retirement? When is that coming up? That'll be a big one. Know. He could do it for a long time. You think so? Yeah. Another yeah. couple yeah. years. He's got, he's got to pay for these truck, uh, what do you call them? Renovations, refurbishments that he's doing. He's always doing these, these pickup truck, vintage pickup truck cleanups with his son or something on Instagram. Here's, here's the deal. Justin Tucker's the best kicker in the history of the sport. And I know we say that a lot, but when we just do this final grade, he's been on this show. He just is. And that it just give him an A plus. He he gets an A plus. I don't know what everybody else, I mean, the specialist fine, whatever. He, yeah, well, I was gonna say he's the guy who, who does all the work in the in the uh, the group project, and like, yeah, he got the A plus, but it's not really true because Cook and them were good. Just I, six, I wanted six, to six I wanted to make a Morgan Cox joke and be like the long snapping was not very good, and you could see the uh, the decline there. But you didn't, I don't, you didn't hear what's his name, Chris uh, Nick Moore. Nick, Nick Moore. Moore. I was gonna say Chris Moore. Shout out, long time. Shout out to Chris Moore. Uh, irrelevant Raven graphics. Um, yeah, you didn't hear his name, so but. You know, I think you got to show love to Morgan Cox still. Yeah. Um, by the way, when I was, you know, going through and, and creating the little rundown for this show and, and put this in there, the the mock drafts are off and running. We're not getting into that talk yet because it just no. doesn't make sense on, at least for us, to give you guys speculation on January 19th of who the Ravens are going to take in the draft. There's a lot of places for you to find that, and we will get to that. But, boy, it's it's more – I mean, they had a full special for Mel Kuyper's first draft, and I love Mel Kuyper. Where do you go to high finest, school? Calvert Finest. Oh. But um, my – You know, my, you, can't, I mean, you can't say Calvert Hall's finest <laughs> for and refer to everybody. They all cannot <laughs> be the finest of Calvert men of, Hall. Men of faith, men of intellect, men of integrity. We're all fine people. Um. The athletic has a full <laughs> the athletic has a full section for NFL mock drafts. It's January 19th. The season <laughs> isn't even over. 
<laughs> it's just sitting. The landscape of who is going to have what pick is even like, hey, man, things can change between now and It's later. sitting on the top of their thing next to Brentford versus Manchester United. Those are their two real-time stories that they changed on their little ticker here. Um, are, you doing, are you doing mock drafts with trades or without? I hate mock look, drafts with trades. I it's hate such a cop out because you can so say you can say anything. Stupid. That is so anything. stupid. Oh, I hear the Bears are gonna go. Hey, how do you know? <laughs> um, just do them straight. I just like the straight mock. Just give me who I my team will get in the specific slot. That's what I come to a mock draft for. <laughs> uh, the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Once again, as we say, Fed Thrill, best sunglasses made in Baltimore, best sunglasses ever. Twenty percent off with the promo code Exit Fifty Two. Um, it is freezing right now. I don't know what you can, uh, hopefully the sunglasses help you keep your eyes warm because I'm boy, going to Florida this weekend. There I you go. Wearing the sunnies. I, yeah. I'll, I had them in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta this past weekend and I wore the sunnies then it was, went to a brewery. It was, you know, a, a nice brisk 55 degrees, but the sun was shining, not a cloud in the sky. And I had my sunnies on. I had my, uh, the, uh, shit. How can I forget the name of the model? The Fultons, I think, is what they're called. Something like that. Mm. The, they look get like your sunglasses masks. for yeah. your uh, for your winter getaways down the more more warm climates. Snowbirds. Yeah, exactly. Big Ben is done. It's over. It yes. ended on Sunday night, and I would say Big Ben ranks as one of Baltimore's greatest villains, especially in a sports capacity. Um, so that informs our draft this week, the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Baltimore villains, Baltimore villains. I'm interested to see where this goes. My thought was this was very much a sports contact. It doesn't sound like Banks has this just at a sports contact. Well, I mean, there's sports in there and there's not sports in there. This is already I don't know where you went here. Villain is all over the map here. I also I I was kind of thinking as we did like the teams that we like to see lose a couple weeks ago. I was thinking that we were doing like athletes that that we like to see lose, which kind of fits into the like villains. I don't know because I can still because now I'm just doing my personal villains like sports villains. We'll see how this goes. RDT, you have the first pick. I have the second. Game. I have the second pick. We'll see how many picks it banks as we veto. Um, RDT, like take it away. I, starting five, starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill, Baltimore Villains. So if we're doing Baltimore villains, it's got to be it's got to be Jeffrey Mayer and Richie Garcia. I'm gonna combine those. Can I combine those into one, or do I have sure. to take one? Well, sure, sure, fine. All right, sure. We're I'm doing. Have no, we're doing no that. right to veto anything because I'm. Yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Jeffrey Mayer and Richie Garcia. The 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 you know the the thirteen year old jerk off in the right field in Yankee Stadium. That's why you get a wall. That's you know a little higher. So he can't fucking reach over. Didn't even catch the ball. He brought it back. Richie Garcia is as big a scumbag as, as Mayer is. Um, stole the '96 World Series. Jeter's career is is never. It's not the Jeter's career that we know it. If that call gets called back like it should have, Tony Tarasco still should have beat that. You know the up to a pulp, bloody pulp. I want that <laughs> on the record. I wish that Tony Tarasco was at least brought on on manslaughter charges. Um, because. I think he deserved it. Um, not a day. Nah, I'll say not a day goes by. Not not a week goes by where I don't think of Jeffrey Mayer. I'll just say that. And I found this is probably 2013, maybe 2012. I found Jeffrey Mayer's like personal Twitter, 
and I was going to like air him out and attack him. But then I was like scrolling through and like all he was doing was talking about like his work and his family. And I was like, ah, fuck, I can't do this. I screenshotted it. So I have it somewhere. If he had said one Yankees thing, he didn't. There was not one baseball or sports thing on there. I mean, that's a smart. I mean, that's smart on his part. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. But if he had said like one Yankees thing, like kiss the rings, like 27 rings, I was gonna be like, this fuck, I'm gonna. It find would be awesome if he was just a huge heel for the Yankees on Twitter. That would be a tremendous turn. Just trolled. You're Orioles just fans. undermining your pick. No, I. This, but again, this was a couple years ago. I mean, this no, is, yeah, this I agree with you. Already, no, it's a great. It's a really. I good couldn't. Pick. I it's, couldn't. It's, is there not a villain if you don't lean into it? Like, oh, oh, you're saying that? No, way. you don't have to be. You can be a villain. Oh, no, villain. he was a villain because he went on like Regis Christ. and Kelly and like missed school the next day and was being paraded around on like policemen's shoulders for interfering in a baseball game. I just want good, clean baseball. Like he was a villain because he was on every the front page of every fucking the back page of every. I, I, I like the pick. I just like. If you're gonna pick a guy like something number one overall, don't come with evidence that suggests the, the opposite. Well, no, I think I think he was a villain at the time, and if he's, he's still the villain, is. You, if he's the villain you say he is, then you should have doxed his ass. You should have put his ass on. I'll search for him right <laughs> now. I'll, I'll I'll dox him right now. We'll dox him from the exit fifty two account. Banks is in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, um, I like I like the pick. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking the Ursa family. I mean, pretty self-explanatory here. Generations of Baltimore residents absolutely hate this guy or absolutely hate um, the family. I mean, even the new Ursays. I mean, they continue to do dumb stuff. Remember the Jersey controversy from this year? They continue to be awful. Him on Twitter is awful, too. The video today of him in the powerlifting or some bullshit like that? Very bizarre. Fucking weirdo. Ursay family. I mean, go read or watch anything. Go, go, um... Listen to Jake's base podcast on the Colts. Go, you know, is it? Go. It's him that does the uh, the dome is open. The dome, yeah. like the roof. Who the fuck cares, man? Fuck off. Robert Ursay, Bob Ursay, fuck him. Fuck Raymond ba- fuck Raymond him. Barry, Johnny Unitas, DeForest Buckner. Never forget. So bad. Colts <laughs> legend. So bad. I'm glad if all the, if I'm glad that's a game that we we got the better of. All right, so Banks. What do you got here? Uh, I'm taking Shooter McGavin. All-time villain. I mean, this is this is weird, man. You guys are just being real quiet because I'm taking not a Baltimore villain, but Shooter, Shooter McGavin is one of the great villains of all time. The this guy, is going to make – When this, I talk this, about people <laughs> leaning into being a villain, like Shooter McGavin is it. I mean, that guy was a real scumbag. <laughs> this draft makes <laughs> no sense. I yeah. thought you were going to take non-sports Baltimore-related villains. Now you're just taking random people. Yeah, we said villains. I mean, so I made a board of villains. Sure. What do you got? Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, if this, this is, is your board, get, if this, this is, is your what board, we get for trying to prepare and advance. Do you do you remember? The worst you, part is a villain draft could be fun. An overall villains draft, but now we're just. I mean, this is. What's your next pick? Banks, real real quick. You were supposed <laughs> to come with me to meet Shooter McGavin. Yeah, I got in a fucking car accident. Asshole. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, going to the Keys game. <laughs> Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a very nice guy. Bad time. My truck was totaled. I know. Mm. Sorry Rick. for your loss. Thanks. <laughs> All right, I'll take one that makes some sense here. All right, Bill Belichick. That's a villain. That guy is a fucking villain. His whole vibe with the press conferences and the way he's just a prick. It's it's a you have to laugh at it. It, it honestly is hilarious when. 
when that lady asked him if he had any New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, he is an amazing heel. I mean, oh he is my God. really not, one of the not giving the little high fives to the, the Lions fans or whatever team that was. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a WWE video. That's a wrestler. That's a wrestling video. It just there's nothing there, there are very few things that will get my ass in a seat like Bill Belichick after a tough loss at the at the at the podium. Like he's one of my if we could do a trap of people to watch just do press conferences or something. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Press conference moments. All right, write yeah. it down. Moments, yeah, yeah we could do that too. But Bill Belichick at the podium after a tough loss when he is just sour, villain material. We'll workshop that. He's a great villain. That's a good pick. I'm taking Heinz Ward. Talk about a guy that leaned into it. The smiles, the hits after the play. Villain. Absolute villain. Absolute villain. Even in a, even in a non-Baltimore context. I don't think there's any fan base in the league that liked that guy. It's a little Belichickian in that way. Could be the next yeah. coach of the Texans. Yeah. How about that? Is that, that true? That seemed very... The Texans might interview me. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna interview Condoleezza Rice too. Hey, you never know. Yeah, that's an all-time Twitter. You never know. Yeah, Heinz Ward, pretty self-explanatory situation there. Guy that lean, talk about leaning into being a villain. The smile was just so good. He guy guy knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, RDT of two picks. Give me. I I I was gonna take this guy number one until we like clarified it. I thought we clarified it. Um, Coach K. Mm. I mean. Uh, he was he was maybe after Jeffrey Mayer and like that whole incident. My sports my sports fandom kind of just it really just ride or die or died with anything Coach K did against Maryland. I mean it was and again it's just like everything about him the hair he looked like the logo um, those teams he had were very hateable and again it was just like no matter how good Maryland was they always see, Maryland Maryland would get him a couple times and obviously the rivalry was great but like. I mean, the final four comeback, like that broke me. Like I, I was broken. One of the crying. worst, one of the worst nights of crying. Ever and, and he's still just one of the biggest villains. And he's on, he's obviously not just, I mean, you could ask some people that will say that it's, it's not even a rivalry. I mean, he's, he's arguably the most hated coach besides for Belichick and in, in sports. You could say that him and Belichick are the two most hated coaches in sports. Yeah. And, um, He's very fun to hate too because the jokes that you can get off after coach, like after when Duke loses the game, and Big Cat will post the him lying down on the on the <laughs> in front of the bench gif, or or you know anytime he takes you know a a, a couple games off like he just did. Um, I mean the tweets that you can get off are, are fantastic, and you know we get every couple couple times a year the like him scolding another player on the other team. We already got it this year. I'm sure we're due for one in a couple of weeks too. But yeah, coach K is just a very, very, very easy person to, to hate. And I, I think he fits the, uh, I think he fits the villain mold pretty, pretty well. Um, I could just follow and go, I'm going to go JJ Reddick. I'll just, I'll, I'll hit him with the one, two combo again, being in high school and JJ Reddick being as good as he was, was like this motherfucker. Like again, the white guy that, the t-shirt underneath the jersey shooting the, the absolute lights out like you can't you can't say he wasn't a, a monster and then the, the worst part about it all was that he played in the nba for like 14 15 years and he's actually like a likable person now i know banks is not gonna like that because now you're gonna say he's not a villain but 
I, I think he's a hundred percent a villain to, to a classic Duke early. villain. He's a villain. Yeah. He's a villain. Yeah. JJ. But again, I, I hate that. I like him now. Like I, I don't like him still. I think like when he's on podcasts and stuff, I think he's good. I turn on sports center today mm. and I'm like, Oh, there he is. He's not like, mm. he's not bad at his job. Now we'll say that he's not bad at his job before either, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Redick again. A lot of, a lot of pillows punched. After watching, he him. was just such a good shooter and was really like, he knew it too. He knew it. He could just, I don't want to compare him to Steph Curry, but like you didn't watch a lot of guys in that era of college basketball, just literally shoot it from anywhere. And he would just shoot it from anywhere and would go mm-hmm. in. He was and so frustrating to watch. He just didn't like when Marilyn chanted about his sister. So he wrote poetry about it. Oh, the that, fans. That, that, that sports center clip. Is one of like the all time best where he's like, I took, I used to um, write poetry to because I would get so mad and upset. <laughs> it's just with like tears in his eyes. It's great. It's very funny. That's me kicking a man when he was down. Oh man. Freaking JJ Reddick. So tough. I, this is not one I wouldn't have, I would have taken before this year, but this is just one of, I think, the fa- my favorite things we've talked about for a little bit on this show over the last year. I'm taking Cedo Gaston. What a freaking villain move in the in the All Star game at Camden Yards. That is now one of my favorite clips to watch. Just watching the Baltimore fans get after this guy and him just stand there, knowing exactly what he's doing. I'm taking him in this draft. I would have never taken him before last year, but man, I got infuriated watching. I I was barely alive, barely <laughs> alive. Give me Cedo. Fuck him. I would love to see in the game, like that. you a hole. And he had no remorse. Talk about talk about a lean in. No remorse. I would love for something like that to happen now. Like if 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 I'm trying to think if like they didn't put in Ortiz in his like last All Star game and just let him sit there. So you know, what sit there in the in the warm in the uh, in the uh, on deck circle or something. That'd be great. Yeah, take a seat though. I can't wait for Banks to take Thanos next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen the movie yet. Don't please don't spoil it. <clears throat> Permission to go there. You do whatever you want. Taking Jason Lockenfora. Oh, oh God, damn it! Yeah, I, had him, I had him on my list. I was gonna take yeah. him last. He, he was second on my entire board. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I know I should take him sooner. He fits into the whole Baltimore thing here. Like, you know, he's a. We've gone through such a fucking saga with him where he was like a Red Sox fan and he all kinds of tweets to prove it. And it's, it's all out there. And then what was it? Steinberg at the post blew mm-hmm. him up about it. And then I love Dan Steinberg jumps ship and does this whole Orioles thing. And it wasn't even that he was just like an Orioles fan, but like he was trying to be Mr. Oriole. Like he was trying to be the face of the, of this fan base that as gone through all the depths of despair and turned this franchise around. And he acted like he was through thick and thin and, and like rode out this big drought of making the playoffs. And he just tried to act like he was the Mr. Like it was so fucking annoying. And every night he would, this guy who knows nothing about fucking baseball, nothing about baseball strategy, the way the game is played whatsoever would try to give takes about what Buck Showalter, a guy who was, accomplish a fuck ton in the game about all his decisions and all the things he was doing wrong. It's a fucking clown. And then we, we cross bridges into the NFL here and he's going after my head coach and saying that there's, there's, you know, 
John Harbaugh's on his last legs and he's going to, they're going to be parting ways after, after the 2018 season, all that bullshit and, and a million other things that he's just completely speculated and made, frankly made up. And now like the good people of this city have to listen to him on the, on the radio during drive time in the PM. It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. I mean, you said it. <laughs> I had him on my list. A great supporter of Maryland men's soccer, Jason. <laughs> it always comes back for you, Mr. Middleman. Hey man, you know, playing, playing, playing a lot of different sides of the coin here. Um, uh, I don't know who I want to take. Oh, that's right. You have a second one. Sorry. I got wrapped. <laughs> I got wrapped up in, I got wrapped up in your, your rant there. That was a good rant. JLC monologue. Thank JLC you. monologue. Thank you. Fuck man. <clears throat> I wanted to take him. <laughs> take him off my list. When we get to honorable mentions, I'll let you just take him as an honorable mention. And then no, we'll I already see, deleted see what your fine. rant is. <clears throat> um, I'm going to take Ken Griffey Jr. and Little Big League. I think he is an awesome villain in that movie. He is so diabolical, but he's so lovable at the same time. The ultimate anti-hero where it's like you're rooting for the twins, the stories about the twins, but here's the bad guy. And the bad guy's fucking Ken Griffey Jr. Smirking and, and bat flipping when he hits a ball into the upper deck of the Metrodome there. Um, of course, they got him on the uh, the old uh, fake pickoff play and everything, but him robbing the homer at the end of that movie, I, I know, spoilers. Um, is just such an awesome end of that movie. Like, you start to think, like, is this a Ken Griffey Jr. movie or is it about a kid managing the Minnesota Twins? Taking, I, I love that movie so much. And I, his I like, just, his little his saunter, smirk. like, up to home plate when he just like, mm. he just like, he, I, like, he walks shit. like a T Rex up there and he's just like, I'm going to hit this ball so fucking far. Yeah. Shout out to the security guard for really selling the, uh, the, the trick play he that i mean guy, he is the hero of it all that's a bit part kind of character like guy that yeah. actor is in a lot of stuff oh i'm sure i'm sure he's that guy my head, but like, he's a recognizable face i'm sure he is ken griffey jr yeah i'm trying to figure out if you can make a case he has anything to do with the baltimore i'm trying to make cases in for your 97 alds yeah didn't yeah. didn't beat us yeah, but he also he also has arguably the like most memorable thing to do with the stadium hitting the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder what he, he thinks um, of the wall. There was some small <laughs> murmurs maybe in the late nineties that he'd eventually sign with us, but obviously, yeah, that would have been fun. Can I? The, the Orioles need a star so bad. Taylor just shaking his head after he said, "God, that would have been fun." I was like, he's stewing on something right now. <laughs> Just need a star. What do you mean? They had Sammy Sosa, dude. <laughs> it was supposed to be Manny Machado. It's just like, God, whatever. Uh, it'd be so cool to have somebody that big. God, Probably. now I'm just like wistfully talking about the team. Act like uh, we haven't had I'm really upset you took JJ Reddick. I thought I was no doubt gonna be able to get him in the gases spot, and then I was gonna be able to pop Gaston down. I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay in line with the way I draft. I thought about jumping into Banks territory, but I'm not fully prepared for that. And I still think we could jump in and do like an all time, like movie villains or something. Draft we'll do a villain. So I'm not going to do that. And we can draft like movie villains and he'll have to draft Baltimore villains. Yeah. 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 Oh no. Way. I've, I've <laughs> kind of shifted off my, you know, yeah. I've yeah, been diverse yeah. list here. You have, you have just pick I, the sharks I, and jaws, I, just pick I, the sharks and jaws really and get it over. Cut. 
I'm going to take a really yeah. deep cut. Sorry, Maryland one. I'm taking Julius Hodge. Fuck Ooh. Julius Hodge. NC State's finest or Ooh. not finest. I hated Julius Hodge. <clears throat> he was really the only guy in the ACC besides Duke guys that had a lot of disdain for. So I'm taking Julius Hodge. That might Who's, that one might not resonate with the listeners as much. Who's but. the UNC player that dunked with like a second left at, at Comcast Center, maybe 2013 or so? Remember that? Hmm. Yeah, and I can't remember who it is. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, who was that? I'm not going to get it. I'm taking Julius Hodge. Fuck that That's guy. Funny. RDT. Um, oh, man. I don't know where to go now. But if Julius wants to come on the show and talk Terps, come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> talk a little early 2000s ACC. I would have any guest on to talk early 2000s ACC. I was I was in a drive-thru of Wendy's when NC State beat Maryland in that ACC tournament. Wasn't he on that? He was on that team, right? I, 2002, yeah. Well, yeah, I was in a drive-thru in Wendy's and was like so mad, but I couldn't get mad because I was in the front seat of my mom's car and like literally getting handed our food. I had like four chicken sandwiches sitting in my hands and I wanted <laughs> to just like chuck them all over the road and I couldn't because fucking Julius Hodge. Um, I am going to take... See, like I don't like these are all. I don't, I'll I'll go Urban Meyer. I just hate him. Like I never liked him. I liked him as the head coach of the Jaguars. And again, I thought we were doing people that we like seeing lose. Um, he was number. He You're was, all over the place with the that, definition though. of this draft. No, but we did, we did teams. teams. We, we, did we did teams. The thing I will say about Urban Meyer because he does connect back to this area because he coached against Maryland. Mm-hmm. One of the all-time psychotic sideline performances when the Terps almost upset them <laughs> at Maryland stadium. The gift with, Matt is Cannon, with Matt, with Matt Cannon as the head coach, who's now getting absolutely killed in Pittsburgh this week. Um, who was the, who was another quarterback up there? They got Dwayne Haskins. Uh, yeah. That will God, how cut back comes full circle. He was like, like looked like he was having an episode at times. It was very concerning. That's but, the one where he doesn't, he dropped to his knees and like, he yeah, just falls out of the camera angle. The, the shot. Yeah. God, I wish we won that game. That yeah, like that game. that game that game is a bummer just because again, it's like Maryland may never beat Ohio State ever, and like that was it. That was the time. Um, but he was just he's just always been. It doesn't matter where he is, like Florida, Utah, Jacksonville. He's just always very fun to root against, and that's kind of what I was going for, and that's why I'm taking him. And my next one, of course. Um, I'll take David Ortiz. Poppy. I, I think he's a I think he's a pretty big, a pretty big uh villain. Again, not just in Baltimore, but obviously. Um, I mean, he's had all his tantrums. He's had a couple of good ones against the Yankees. Um, but obviously the 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 dugout phone is that may be his biggest like tantrum. I think anytime you destroy property with a bat that's up there. <laughs> and again, it's like he was very close to hitting um Pedroia with the bat and like a couple other people. And I know Pedroia is the one that got in his face and yelled at him because shards of plastic were going everywhere. He threw the, he was really, really not a fan of when the Orioles gave him the phone when he retired. That was like publicly known that he just like left it there and didn't take it. Um, I do want, I, I, I want to know what that humor, is. Poppy. Come on, man. Yeah. It's like, dude, like you're like, he is, oh, look at Poppy. And he has the big smile and laugh and he has fun everywhere. But God forbid the guy gets a phone that he shattered, like legitimately broke and acted like a four year old. Um, that I mean, he he had the fight with with Kevin Gregg that I know a lot of people were probably on his side for. I God, hated Ke- Kevin Gregg. God, Kevin Gregg. I used to call him Kelly Gregg, and I thought it was like the biggest like oh, called him a girl's name. What a fucking zing! 
Um, it's definitely on Ortiz's side for that, but yeah, fucking Ortiz. Cause it was, I mean, it was every game, you knew he was going like 400 to, to right center. He was, he's littered the, um, Utah street just countless times. And anytime Brian Mattis came in, you were like, we're getting you this time. Like you're, you're not doing it to us. You could do it for the, through the first, through the sixth inning, but anytime after that, you weren't doing it. So it was always fun to I think he's a pretty big villain too. With my final pick, uh, I'm taking Big Ben. I'm taking Big Ben. Yeah, Steelers yeah. heavy. Yeah, Big Ben. <clears throat> big Ben will uh, will go down as one of the most hated quarterbacks in Baltimore history. So, did you see Marlon's Instagram the large today? Guy. No, he was holding Geno Stones the the game ball from it and he said mm-hmm. big ben's last interception and it was you know it's it's all painted now and it has like gina stone week 18 whatever so nice little first yep. sack against the ravens right first career sack against the ravens last career interception regular season i guess yeah. thanks finish us off with a dog from sandlot <laughs> no it's the shark from jaws or the mayor from jaws if you want no you guys are overthinking it it's ball it's baltimore I'm taking the Ford Ave Chipotle. Uh, that is my pick. The Ford Ave Chipotle is evil, big time villain. Um, I could have taken this first overall, but I figured it would fall to me. Um, I did actually. You guys think, doing? Baltimore. I did actually think about it a little bit, but I was like, eh. Ford Ave Chipotle is the horrible. Of my existence. So bad. Horrible it's so service. Bad. Horrible consistency of ingredients. Horrible. Horrible, horrible on all fronts. It's my. I will say they did. The people in this neighborhood band together with me against the Ford Ave Chipotle. Just be better. Just be better. That's all I asked for. They did get a delivery order of mine and my roommates right exactly a couple weeks ago, which was shocking. Got it. If that is the bar that we're one, I almost don't know if it came from that Chipotle. It might have been ordered from the one that's like near the Inner Harbor, the Ghost Kitchen or something. A one-game winning streak is that? Is that the bar that we've set for our Chipotle experience? Shouldn't be. I mean, could say Chipotle as a whole. I mean, they're across the board. They've been they've been slipping hard. Yeah. All right, Jeffrey May, Richard Garcia, Coach K, JJ Redick. Urban Meyer, David Ortiz for RDT. I took the Ursay family, Heinz Ward, Cito Gaston, Julius Hodge, Big Ben. Um, RD, or excuse me, Banks takes Shooter McGavin, Bill Belichick, um, Jason Lockenfora, Ken Griffey Jr. from Little Big League, and the Ford Avenue Chipotle, and one of the really eclectic drafts in the history of this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, my honorable mentions is going to be that much better. <laughs> my honorable mentions, just a, I just had a, uh, mostly some Steelers guys. I don't need to go through all of them. Uh, Paul Tagliabue doesn't get talked about enough in the Baltimore football situation. That's, that's a good point. Um, I remember but my Jim, dad. Just, Jimbo would bring him up. Just yeah, my dad also. Jacksonville. Yeah, my dad hated it. I, uh, Raul Banez. Yeah. <laughs> I had him too. Ubaldo Jimenez. I thought about picking Ubaldo. Um, Baltimore arena developers, because I just keep getting teased for 20 years about a new arena. Maybe this new one will happen. Uh, John Elway for the old school fans and anybody involved in the Ravens Orioles Thursday night scheduling snafu deserves mention on this list. What a fucking joke. (laughs) What do you guys got? Eric, you go first. Just so it's in line with what he just said. I had, uh, I had a rod. I had Jeter. Um, Sidney Crosby, uh, Kevin Durant. 
Oh, I should have more... Crosby. I didn't think hockey. Yeah. Um, John Shire. Again, I'm thinking about people who I hated and liked watch losing. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Again, another personal one has zero to do with Baltimore. Uh, Michael Campanero and anyone from River Hill. Philip Rivers, Jose yeah. Bautista, and Aroldis Chapman. And and obviously, um, JLC. <laughs> yeah, anyone from River Hill. Yeah. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say anybody from Loyola, but I, there actually are people from Loyola that I like. So I'm glad to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm excited for this. Yeah, one. I'm excited I, I for this, this one. one yeah, right. my list, Darth, Darth Vader. <laughs> my list actually wasn't even that long because I figured it was diverse enough where I, there wouldn't be overlap. I would felt confident that my board wouldn't be taken. Um, let's see. I took that. Took that. Took that. Uh, Newman was on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Voldemort, of course. Sure. Um, Whoa. Y E Yang is on my list. That's kind of tough on Ye. It is tough on him. I know it is, but there's just something about him fist pumping on that green with Tiger not winning that <laughs> tournament. It just doesn't sit well with me. It just it, it just is an image burn in my brain. And he was not supposed to win, and I was supposed to be Tiger Woods winning a tournament after the whole incident, of which there have been many, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, Ivan Drago, great one. Uh, the Grinch, yes. He yep. was reformed. Yeah, so. we did talk about the Grinch a few weeks ago. I, I was I was concerned that you were going to take the Grinch in this draft, and I was going to be like, "Wow, another pick of the Grinch by Taylor." He he is he is redeemed at the end. Um, they say his heart grew three sizes that day. I don't know if you remember yeah, that part of it. I, I I've watched I've watched that movie like fifty times since Christmas ended. Joe's <laughs> just obsessed with it. Is, has wow. Joe gotten Has Joe gotten an Encanto watching yet? I'm hearing very so, good things about Encanto. So we have been we're Encanto. very close to forcing her to watching it. Lauren and I watched it the other day, and Joe sat in the kitchen by herself playing. And we were wow. like, "All right, mommy and daddy are going to watch Encanto." And every day, every day, I'm like, Ooh. "She's also big on Lilo and Stitch now." We've gotten on the Lilo oh, and Stitch. Ooh, yeah, great, great movie. Yeah. Lauren, yeah. Lauren had never seen it either. An interesting era of Disney movies. That was like they say it's kind of a down era. It was like that, but like you also have the Emperor's New Groove, which is a tremendous movie mm-hmm. from that same Good time one. period. Yep. She, I, I liked Encanto. She did not. I always say, "You want to watch Encanto?" And she, no, I don't want to watch it. I want to watch the song it. from wow. Encanto is the number one song on Spotify. Right oh, they're now. they're bangers. They're bangers. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch, it. Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is a fantastic song. It's a very good song. Mm. She's big on the the Hawaiian music now too. She could be a Talia Tagovailoa fan. Mm. Anything else? I cut you off there. Uh, I had a uh, plankton. Yep, we're big sure. on SpongeBob now. Yep. Sure. Um, I had Raul Banyas, and then my last one was I had Glenn. Plankton, and then I had Raul Banyas as one of the great back to backs in the history. Of the <laughs> yeah, I had uh, <laughs> Glenn Gulia from The Wedding Singer. I think that guy is just one of the great movie douchebags of all time. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh man, I don't think what I've seen great, it either. Oh man, what a great underrated Adam Sandler movie from his prime, and it's got like. I mean, it's completely silly and whatnot, but it's got some good feels to it too. I mean, it's just it's it's romantic. I have if to you... put one in from a movie because I was almost going to take this just to fuck with you guys. Uh, the dog steal from the movie Balto. Fuck that dog. <laughs> You're going to not let the kids have the the you know you're going to die from the disease in Nome. I just had to get that in. You're taking the monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll do that. We'll, we'll let's just shelve that. We'll shelve that. We'll we'll do that because that would okay. be fun. I've showed my hand a little bit, but that's okay. That's it. We won't remember. 
Nick Cannon Medley, Maryland person of the week, RDT. Um, I'm going to go Brock's conversation hearts because oh, we're, almost at, we're almost at Valentine's day and oh my your boy, God. I found one of the this most morning. underrated or excuse me, overrated things in the world. Oh my God. Things. I, I would almost, think they're highly rated. I'm on a bag myself. They're so good. They're oh my amazing. God. You're, this is one of the last things mm. I thought would ever come out of my mouth, but your teeth are going to rot. Your, yep. your teeth are going to fall out of your mouth. That's disgusting. I've had one cavity in my life. Gone. Oh. Zippy. So good. So I've good. Had, I've had two. I almost mm. ran over to them when I saw them in Target this morning, like a full on running in the, in that the, is, in the store. You have some of the interesting candy takes of anyone I've ever met. Just because I have a mature palate and you guys. Oh don't. my God. Mature palate. Yeah. Sheesh. What a pick. That might be the worst Maryland person of the week pick of all time. <laughs> hey, it's been, it's been a slow week, I think. It's been a very no, slow no, week. No, 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 Banks. I'm taking uh I'm taking the Smythe brothers for their oh. 30th birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank the you. young man of the podcast, the uh the uh straw that stirs the drink turned 30 on Tuesday. Happy birthday, my dude. Thank you. Much appreciated. Celebrated it by watching Maryland. Yeah. Celebrated yeah. by yeah. All, yeah, all something these friends like friends in our friends in our group chat just sending dinky little happy birthday texts. They're not doing it on podcasts. That is true. That, that is true. There. Up arrows, up arrows for black. Yeah. Up arrows for black <laughs> in the group chat. <laughs> uh thank you. And yeah, shout out to my better half, my twin brother, Burke Smythe. Yeah. Obviously turning 30 at the same time because we were twins. That would make sense. Um, great dude. Great dude. Don't talk about him a lot on this show because not as much of not much of a sports guy. Uh, but loves the, him some Baltimore Orioles. So uh, hopefully the Orioles are good for Burke this year. We shall see. Um, I'm going to give mine. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't plan this. An early birthday shout out to another co-host, RDT, January 22nd. Oh, there we go. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Also turning 30. Yeah. Plus, plus a couple. That's <laughs> all right. Fun. That's fine. That's all right. God, what is the celebration going to look like? You guys going to watch Encanto? Uh, there's a game on four thirty at four thirty on Saturday that will determine. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's going to so, determine. Uh, that is a great point. This could be a great birthday. This could be an awful birthday. So, can I tell you something? My team didn't give me a great birthday present yesterday. Hopefully, it works yeah. out better for you. Yeah. Let's uh, let's hope. Uh, yeah. Let's we'll cross our fingers. Um, maybe an instant analysis. Honorable mentions for me, um, two local guys, Jake Funk and Antoine Brooks, playing in the playoffs for the Rams was very cool. Jake Funk, just being a Baltimore high school legend, is very fun to watch him play in the NFL. And Antoine Brooks, another DMV guy. Does Baltimore claim him, though? He's in a weird spot because his most notable high school moment obviously happens at M&T Bank Stadium. And, but he's not really from a ball. He's obviously not from a Baltimore high school. So it's like a very weird, he's a weird tweener. Yeah. He's from the town. Your neck of the woods. From, from my yeah. rival high school. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's not a, that's not Baltimore's it's more metro DC area. Than, DC metro area. It's, it's more Frederick than the other two, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so um, night tennis. God, is it fun yeah. watching the Australian open night? I have it on right now. Is the, speaking of the DMV, Francis Tiafo on the ropes here against Taylor Fritz. Um, I'm taking golden tea. Okay. Which I think I've taken before. 
Golden Tee is the best. I love playing Golden Tee. Banks plays Golden Tee with me. What a freaking awesome game. I'm taking Hideki Matsuyama. What a freaking shot to win the Sony Open in the playoff. And shout out to our to one of our favorite bars around here. Don't know. I'm taking their shuffleboard table, which I had a lot of fun with on Saturday night. Those are my honorable mentions. Oh, wow. Yeah. First I've heard of it. Oh, and, and, and um, when I was at Delia Foley's on Friday, met two listeners, Alec and Jackson. Alec, I think your name was Alec. If you said Alex, my bad. It's either Alex or Alec. Um, two Towson grads listening to the show. We talked for a couple minutes. Very nice guys. Appreciate them listening. So they get a shout out too. Hmm. Good stuff. Any honorable um, mentions from you, Jackson? That was a lot of honorable mentions. As it um, may have said, Birthday week record for most honorable mentions. Yeah, you feel me? Everyone gets love. Everyone eats on birthday week. It's true. Um, true. Shout out to Greg Norman uh, and Tiburon Golf Club, which I will be playing on Friday. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Home of the QBE shootout in December on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour Championship. Um, Yeah, it's going to be sick. Um, I had Earl Weaver. Because it's the ninth mm, anniversary of, of him uh, dying uh, today, and belated to Joe Flacco, by the way. Yeah, happy belated. Um, happy belated to Brady Anderson too. Um, yes. But anytime the Earl Weaver, the name gets brought up, I just instantly go back and watch the uh, the rant versus the umpire, and then what is it, the man- manager's corner video, which may be even better than the <laughs> rant. Um, <laughs> it's it's an all time. It's very not safe for work. And I'm actually, I listened back to it today. I'm very surprised that there were not any, um, any, any more bad words in there. Um, it's just such a funny fucking Terry fucking Crowley. Like the sidebar, yeah. Brady Anderson feels like a guy. Well, we want to have Brady Anderson on the podcast is what I'm trying to say, but. Oh Yeah. Is he, that attainable? Is he last a we heard from him? Kind of guy? I don't He's think like, so. Do you not, remember what the last story about him was? He was dating some like 25-year-old K-pop star. This I was do like remember something two about years him. ago. We need to have this guy on. Yeah. You remember we, we interviewed Trey about it. I was gonna say we when we talked to Trey on the first, you know, the the first thing go around with our podcast, he was talking about throwing up in Brady Anderson's backyard from running the hills. Elias got him out pretty to be quick. Dating, rumored to be dating K-pop star singer Stephanie. This is a story <laughs> from June 26, 2020. Yeah. Speaking of my brother, big K-pop guy, this really all comes along here. Brady there you go. <laughs> right born, on, born, born on our birthday. It's really, I mean, what a world. Singer Stephanie is dating former Major League Baseball player Brady Anderson, local news outlet told the Korean Jun Dang Daily uh, reporter Friday. According, according to the report, the two started dating earlier this year after they became friends in 2012 when Stephanie was a part of the Los Angeles Ballet. The two stayed close friends for eight years. Oh my God. She started as a part of the girl group CSJH The Grace and then started a solo career in 2012 with the single The New Beginning. Jumped into musicals in 2018. What was that called? The New Beginning? New Beginning. I'm going to um, listen. Started, apparently started dating Brady Anderson, according to allkpop.com, not knowing he was 23 years older. I mean, the guy looks fantastic. I've I've been behind him. I, I walked behind show? him at a game. I was like walking and I'm like, holy shit, that's Brady Anderson right there. And the guy, I mean, he's ripped. He's always ripped. He's just, 
He He's hit right. a couple dingers at that that old timers home run derby that they had at Canyon Yards that one time. So when I looked up Brady Anderson and and was searching for videos, your videos were like popping up, and then some other videos from that day, and it's like, oh, this was awesome. But you can't do it now. I can't believe that better. wasn't like more publicized or more like. Or like, that's oh. done like every year. Yeah, I mean that was awesome. Mostly like everybody but him and Chris Oils. Uh, kind of sucked. Like, kind of didn't really have much going for him. But uh, him and Chris Oils were, were smacking it around a bit. Yeah, I, I bet Brady's still good for a couple. So I don't know if he's living in Korea now. He's not on any social media. <laughs> Just to close the book on Stephanie, um, born in San Diego, uh, thirty-four years old. So she's thirty-four. Okay, thirty-four. So okay, yeah, again, so, still okay. Um, known as one of the best dancers in K-pop. For that, I was going to say oh, that wow. she's. Yes. It's her Some, and the guys from BTS. Somehow Taylor had all those honorable mentions and none were about pop stars or, you know, television. You know, I got, I got it's, more interest in Olivia Rodrigo's and Taylor Swift as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And they include uh, bar, bar games <laughs> and um, Hideki Matsuyama. So between wow. Matsuyama, Y.E. Yang and Stephanie, there's quite a, Eastern uh, influence on this episode. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yes, there. K pop, by the way, not to get, we're going to end the show here. So if you don't want to, the show is ending. <laughs> so if you don't want to hear me talk about K pop, you <laughs> see you next week. But K pop is bangers. Bangers. Like those songs slaps. are fire. Oh, and the BTS songs are, but if you like delve deep in there a little bit, and like I said, my brother Burke, bit of a K pop guy. So, I've been exposed to a little bit more of it. Girl generation. They have some bangers in Korea. Shout out to the Koreans. They know how to do pop. They know how to do it. And that's where like a lot of the, a lot of like American pop has like, you know, been influenced by stuff in K-pop. So, and shout out to BTS. I mean, BTS will come on the show. <laughs> I'm sure they're not talking to anybody else. Anything else, boys, before we sign, away, sign off? Mm-mm. That was talking K-pop on the X of 52 yeah. podcast. See you bitches later. I'm going to Florida. We'll make sure to have uh, we'll make sure to try to get Brady Anderson on. He can talk about his K-pop influences as in his Orioles job and as a strength coach. Maybe they listen to K-pop when he worked the guys out. Uh, follow the boys on social media at Barstool Banks at E D I T T I 22 at Taylor Smythe 10. You can follow the podcast at X52 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. As always, shout out to Fed Thrill. Uh, Thread Level Midnight has your X52 merch, so jump on there and get some of that. Thanks to them, as always. And uh, like you said, we have a little people we like. Jimmy Sifu is part of the reason. Um, they continue to do awesome stuff and uh, appreciate their support as well. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 Podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.